Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And Sarah, I have to tell you, you're glad that you are not standing next to me. Oh. Okay, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of scenarios here. Pretend it's Monday. Okay. And pretend that you, you um, record the podcast standing right next to me. Okay. Now okay. be glad it's not Monday and you're not standing next to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there gaseous issues that we're dealing yes. with? Oh my, oh my gosh. God. How did I guess? Holy cow. <laughs> I am not a TMI sharer, but this mm-hmm. is too much not to share. So, 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 um, Sunday afternoon, I had bought two pounds of squash or butternut squash, <laughs> you know, cut up. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't say that where it's from, but you know, it's a big box store that tends to sell things in bulk and has shopping carts the size of semi. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a hint. Um, and, uh, and so I bought this butternut squash and, and, uh, I mean, I bought it on like say Thursday. I didn't, it wasn't sitting in my fridge for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I was going to make something. And you know me, I'm not much, I mean, I, I cook, but I cook the same things again and again. So I was like, I'm going to do something different because I was going to make butternut squash soup. And I decided, no, I'm going to do something different. So I made this, um, what I thought was going to be really good. And it was kind of good, I guess, is butternut um, risotto. Oh, lovely. Um, so uh-huh. it had like Monterey Jack cheese in it. and oh. um, Leeks? Um, Did you have leeks in it? No, it had tarragon. It had... Um, I mean, it was pretty basic. It was like a cooking, I think it was a cooking light recipe. You know, I mean, it was like broth, mm-hmm. you know, wine, cheese, a little white wine, a little white wine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I substituted apple juice because I didn't have any sweet white wine, but oh, that, look at that you. was all, was all good from the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I made it. The kids didn't eat it. I oh, ate, no. um, that's okay. I wasn't expecting them to. They had, um, parties on Sunday night and uh and Ben had went to the Lego movie and blah blah blah. I wasn't expecting them to eat it. That's but I'm glad that they didn't eat it because <laughs> so Grant and I had it for Sunday night. Um and it was good. I mean it wasn't like wow this is amazing, but it uh-huh. was it was fine. Had you ever I, wait, had you ever made risotto before? I've made risotto, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got I love making risotto. Anyway, go ahead. Oh do you? Mm-hmm. This was kind of a cool the way that I did it this time was like you put it in the oven. Oh have you ever done that? Oh no so you didn't have to stand there and stir? No, it was no stirring, and then you kind of get to like a stew-like consistency, mm. and then you put it in the oven, um, and then you take it out and add like the squash, which I had already um, roasted, mm-hmm. and you add the cheese, and then you put like a clean cloth over it, and it cooks a little bit more. Oh, look at um, that. Look at that. So, um, it was, can, can I just it share? It was super easy, yeah. Oh, good. Can I share one risotto tale? So, my first husband, John, um, made, he was the risotto maker in our relationship, and when he unexpectedly announced that he wanted to divorce me um, within, <laughs> I'm not kidding you, within like the first week while my thoughts was, oh, but he was so good at stirring that risotto. <laughs> so it took me, it took me honestly, I mean, more, oh, far more than a decade now that I think about it. It was, it was 12 or 13 years before I was like, okay, you know what? That's not just John's domain. I can make risotto. 
So really, yeah. wow, that was a big hurdle to get over. The risotto hurdle. It was because I think it's kind of an intimidating thing because oh, I got you got to stir continually. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and um, you know what? I st- I definitely stand at the stove the whole time, but I don't stir the whole time. I yeah you know, yeah. So anyway, You're okay, such a rebel, such a rebel. I am. And I am. Yeah, this was like kind of cooking light, you know, risotto light, I guess. And <laughs> so, um, like, long story short, is we both ate it. Sunday night. It was fine. You know, it was fine. It was dinner. Great. And I always make, you know, like, oh, I'll make a, something with the idea that we're going to have it at least for lunch and maybe mm-hmm. even for dinner again late, later that week. So mm-hmm. there was a lot left. Mm-hmm. Um, and Grant had it for lunch on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, I went to a 1230 Pilates class on Monday mm-hmm. and it, I we're doing these it's not a reformer. It's called a, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's this kind of ladder like machine that has, mm. I'm standing most of the time and there's okay. four of them. Okay, okay. They're four in a row. And there's other people in this class, right? Three other, three other people and the instructor. Mm-hmm. And no. thankfully I am on the end near the door, <laughs> but my stomach just starts to erupt and I cannot, you know, like if you have gas sometimes, like if you stop the first one, like it's not going to come anymore. <laughs> Like I could not do anything about this situation other than just be like, please don't walk over here. Please don't walk over here to the instructor. You know? Did you literally say that out loud? No, oh gosh, no. No, no. Okay, I, didn't say, I didn't say anything. I mean, because it gets to the point of like, God, what do I say at this point? Like I've like contaminated the whole room, you know? Like Oh, it was, it was just miserable. And I would like, you know, she'd get off the machine, you know, she would do a demonstration, thankfully not on my machine. And, um, and I would kind of go stand near the door and like, oh, and, like get some air, you know, like send it the wrong way. And, oh, it was just, it was awful. So meanwhile, I'm thinking, what was that? What did I eat that made me feel so awful? Well, so, and I'm like, maybe I'm just hungry. Like, cause I'd done a 10 mile run on, um, like Sunday afternoon before I made the risotto. Right. And, um, um, and I, you know, the risotto, I had like risotto and cottage cheese and salad for dinner. And I'm like, maybe that wasn't enough calories. Maybe I need, you know, something more. So I came home and had a, um, like a frozen lasagna and Amy's or Annie's, I can't remember, but you know, like one of the kind of healthy frozen. <laughs> you threw fuel onto the fire. I threw fuel onto, well, I, but I was, I, you know, it was like the place in your stomach. I don't know if you, you've ever had it cause you're, 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 and my stomachs are very different, but I'm like, I am so, I feel so awful. Like. I need to eat or either I'm, I need to eat or I need to be sick. And I was hoping that it was the former. Right. Oh my gosh. So, so Grant comes home about four, which is early for him to come home. No, wait, wait, wait. I have to ask a question. So have you gone to the bathroom since then? Or like, is this just all just, this is all just noxious fumes? It's just noxious fumes. (laughs) And, um, and so Grant comes home about four and, and he kind of looks at me and I'm he's like, how are you? And I'm like, just blah like I don't feel good my stomach doesn't feel good and he's like mine doesn't either oh shoot and so I'm like okay all right and so he you know he's like but I'm supposed to do this run you know he's training for a marathon in May Mm -hmm. and uh and of course I'm like okay go do go do the run that'll like clean you out you know you'll feel better Um, it's kind of like, you know, when your kids say they're like, quote unquote, sick and you're like, okay, just get up and have breakfast and then we'll yeah. see how you feel. You know, like, <laughs> we're going to get you out the door no matter what. I'm going to get you on the treadmill no matter what, Grant. So, um, so he goes and does his run and then he comes down and sits at the table, like after he's sh- showered and put on clothes and, um, and he's kind of looking pale. <laughs> he's looking really pale. And I'm like, 
do you want something to eat? Like, what could I get you? You know, I can make dumplings, like, you know, vegetable dumplings, like something that's just kind of like, you know, hearty, but benign. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and he, and he's like, I just, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I think I'm going to throw up. Oh boy. And, and so I'm like, okay, all right. So he goes, um, upstairs and I, and I, and I'm like, I give him a little time and I bring him up a ginger ale and I'm like, are oh, you okay? Gosh, you are so nice. Oh, don't you get ginger ale for your family when they're sick? Mm, nope. No? <laughs> okay. I guess that's just me. Sometimes so. lemon lime noon, I'll give them that. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, we have ginger ale at our house for okay. that. Well, and I was sick a couple weeks ago. Okay, so, so was, you had it on tap. Okay. I had it on tap. Well, not on tap, but in <laughs> in a can in the in the fridge. Um, so I brought it up to him and I was like, why don't you just, you know, because he'd done tough work. I'm like, why don't you just drink this? You know, it's sugar, it's calories and see how you feel. And he drank that. Um, and then he went to sleep <laughs> and they let and, an enormous belch. <laughs> but yeah, no. And then he, and then at the next I heard him, I just heard this retching and he was barfing so badly into the toilet. Oh. And I mean, so remember that he had it twice. He had it su- Sunday night. And oh, Monday. he had the risotto just, twice. Yep. Yes. Yep. And I just had it Sunday night. So I think I just had, you know, I think it just made my stomach rumble badly because I didn't really want to eat dinner that night. And I, but I, but I was fine, but he, I mean, I felt so bad. <laughs> so I think it was a squat. I mean, cause it's, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, we had undercooked poultry or something like that. I mean, it, it was either the squash or it could have been, I guess the chicken stock. But other than that, I don't think there was anything else in there that could have been like bad. So I think it like you know? ferm- kind of almost fermented in a weird, like started I, to break down and go funky. I guess. I mean, it looked fine. I mean, there were a couple pieces that were a little, you know, um, slimy. Yeah, slimy, like wet looking, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I roasted it for like, I don't know, half an hour, 35 minutes before, you know, I, and then it cooked more, you know, I mean, so right. it wasn't like I was raw, but oh I don't know. So I don't know. It could have just been, we got a virus or it could have been, I don't know, but it was one, I did that situation. I mean, Grant's was bad, but at least he works in an office by himself. Like, I felt like- <laughs> Oh my God. I just, <laughs> and what do you do? I mean, have you, have you been in that situation? Like when you're in a kind of a small space and you're like, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't control anything. You know, <laughs> I think I'm, I think I would have been so mortified. I might've stepped out of the class. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's I... an expensive class too. That's the thing. I mean, it's the Pilates <laughs> class. It's not cheap. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to stay here and keep doing my little arm circles because you know, <laughs> Every arm circle cost me 25 cents, you know? So, <laughs> oh, you know, my like, gosh. Damned. So, anyway, but the good news is I went back today. Uh-huh. I, um, today is Wednesday. Yeah. And my instructor, same instructor, and <clears throat> not, I mean, my stomach is back to fine. Oh, and good. she didn't say anything. She actually gave us all Valentine's because it's before Valentine's Day. So, um, oh, that's cute. Yeah, so that was nice. So I feel like, okay, it's all right. But yeah, that was... <laughs> she didn't uh, hold it against you. <laughs> didn't hold it against me. And I, you know, it's one thing if you're like at a big gym, you know, and you're running on a treadmill and you let one rip and you're like, oh, that's too bad. But you don't feel like, you know, there's like 70 people around you. So it could be anybody, even though people probably know it's you. But it's another thing when you're in this little studio, you know, and there's four students you're and tra- one teacher, you know? It's like a Jean-Paul Sartre that's a no exit or something. Anyway, I'm getting a little existential on you, but yeah, I'm not sure what that means. But anyway, oh my gosh, that is that is too funny. So, well, thank you for oversharing. I really enjoyed your tale. I think I'm going to stay away from butternut squash. Kind of like how you stay away from risotto. I think I'm going to stay away from butternut squash for a while. <laughs> right.
Uh, well, well, or I could share my my risotto recipe with you. I I make one that has leeks and asparagus in it, and I have another one that has lemon zest and a little prosciutto in it. So, um, you know, but I've made butternut risotto, and it's it's always a little heavy and a little too sweet for me. So. Uh-huh. Anyway, well, yeah. I, I'm not going to be making it again. So don't, I'm not, I'm not uh, worried about the complexities of the flavor. I'm worried about the, the, the uh, end, end coming out the other side. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm trying a new recipe tonight. I'm making roasted cauliflower soup from a oh, website. roasted cauliflower. Yeah. So from a recipe, uh, from a website that um, our pal Denise over in Boulder sent, she and I kind of share, um, you know, food blog links every once in a while. And she's like, oh, look, this one looks like it has some good things on it. So, um, and Phoebe adores, adores cauliflower. So, um, yeah, so I'm making that. But but that, as a cruciferous vegetable, I think there might be some gas ramifications tomorrow. <laughs> we, should, we shall see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, let's hope. I mean, because actually, so this is this is airing right now as we're running the Princess Marathon. Mm-hmm. A half marathon, half marathon. Yes. And I that's a big slip. That's a 13.1 mile mistake I just said. But um, yeah, so let's hope that the, well, I can say with a hundred percent certainty, my butternut squash is gone. Let's hope that, you know, your, your cauliflower remnants are gone. Otherwise I'll be, you know, giving myself a little space between the two Queen Elsa's. We will have been uh, on our feet though for long, long, long periods of time at the expo. So I think everything will have worked its way down. Yeah. Through the yeah. Show. I'm hoping, hoping. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no cauliflower the day before, no Chipotle. Yeah. What else? <laughs> what else makes you fun? No, no, no chili. Yeah, no. I try. Oh, I tried a new um, cruciferous chopped up mix. I'm just going to use that word several times in this podcast. Cruciferous. Yes, and um, uh, from from Trader Joe's, and uh, oh, it's really good. It's like chopped up Brussels sprouts and cabbage and kale, and it's um, two types of cabbage actually. And they uh, recommended on the back of the packaging. They said, oh, put warm salad dressing on it. So that's what I did with a little. Um, uh, toasted sunflower seeds and some craisins and oh boy it was good but jack, jack as he's chewing it he's like yeah this is such a sarah thing to eat he's like i'm gonna be chewing it for another 10 minutes <laughs> but, get my workout it's like celery Anyway, but this is not the food. This is not the food episode of Another Mother Runner. This is a, a Q and A um, podcast, and we have we're going to start out with a few winter related questions from the Facebook crowd. There's still some of those lurking out there, and I'm thinking that the, since winter really shows no sign of letting up, that these questions hopefully will, or not hopefully, maybe they'll be so passe by the time people listen to this. But anyway, the first question: You ready to dive into the questions, Dan? Sure, sure. We've got um, Melissa asking, um, for this cold snap, I have been chopping up long runs, half midday when it's a little warmer, half after the kids go to bed on the treadmill. Will this hurt my training or is it, or is getting the miles in most important? And she's following a train like a mother plan for a half marathon in March. Yeah. So I got to say, um, first off, kudos for your creativity, Melissa. The, you know, To me, that's just a classic instance of training like a mother, that, that she's fitting it in, getting it done. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, so it's fine to break up workouts um, for a few weeks, but but when you're training for a half marathon, it's definitely not something you want to do for the entire training session. 
And because, you know, as kind of daunting or um, hard to fit in as they might be, those ru- those long runs are really crucial for doing in one fell swoop, teaches your body how to deal with the stress of running for a longer race. And so, you know, it, it's your muscles, it's your joints, your tendons, your organs, and even your brain getting used to the the pounding and the repetition and the you know, the the task that's going to be ahead of you on race day. So, but, you know, if you're doing that for a, a week or two or three while winter has its grips on you, it's totally fine. And, um, you know, we give her, we give Melissa mad props for getting in all the miles, regardless of the bad weather. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I second everything you say and have nothing to add. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, the next question, it's a pretty – another quick one where I don't think we're going to fly through these, but this next one. Um, so Grace wants to know, what's your favorite cold weather gear item? And that question just, boom, I knew my answer immediately, which is my Saucony Ultimates, which are courtesy of you, Dimity. Thank you very much. I know. I sent you my my um, barely used, barely air snotted mitts um, <laughs> yes. because they were a little small for my mitts. But, yeah, so t- tell people what they are. Yeah, so they are very clever. They are um, – a combo glove mitten. So it has, um, it's kind of a fitted, a somewhat stretchy glove that then a little um, hood type um, of stretchier, more nylon-y type fabric uh, pops over the the uh, the finger part of your hand so that then it's like mittens. So it's it's like you're wearing gloves and mittens together. And it's then, like convertible gloves is an easier way to say that. That would be a, an easier way to say that. And then <laughs> then um, that you can then, if you want, you know, once your hands get a little warm, you can tuck the mitten part of it into its own little pocket that's right there. And it has a nice little, you know, um, snot wiper on the thumbs. And But, um, you know, I have terrible circulation. I have uh, Raynaud's syndrome. And so that means that my hands are just icy, icy all the time and that, um, sort of once they get cold, then they stay cold and almost get worse as time goes on, even once I get inside the house. So these, uh, the first time I wore them, it was quite cold in Portland. I mean, it was probably maybe 20 when I debuted them and it was on a long run. And I gotta say for the first mile, they weren't working all that well for me. Cause like my hands don't generate much heat on their own, but then just like something switched and they were just pure heaven, pure heated heaven for the, you know, rest nine or 10 miles of that run. They were just awesome. And I just, oh, good. I also really like them because they are, um, I got them in kind of that busy pink. And so I feel that, you know, like on longer runs, I'm out during the daytime. And so that I feel they're very visible. And so, you know, I'll like do the wave or whatever to an oncoming car. So I f- almost feel like a crossing guard or something in them. There you go. Yeah. And we've even, I, you know, I have a pair of, of mittens like that. They're not the Saucony ones, but um, I have the convertible ones that I, I wear most of my cold winter runs. Um, and, uh, and I've even had friends put, um, you know, the heat warmers, mm-hmm. the little yeah. portable heat warmers you can get mm-hmm. um, mostly for skiing, but if you're running in really cold climates, it makes a difference. So mm-hmm. I've had a couple of those and those, those are kind of fun. Although mm-hmm. you, you finished and I'm like, Oh my God, they, they, I just have these sweaty paws. <laughs> <They're> just <laughs> like, I think I've lost, you know, three pounds of weight just in sweat in my hands. Um, But my favorite piece of cold weather gear, that's a tough question because I have, I mean, I have a lot of cold weather gear given that I'm in Colorado. Sure. Um, I mean, the two things that come to mind, the first, um, and this isn't a commercial for Saucony, but but I have a pair of Kinvara's that have Gore-Tex. 
oh, in yeah. them mm-hmm. so that they keep my feet dry when I run mm-hmm. um, to a degree. I mean, they're not, they're not, I, I took them snowshoeing <laughs> and my feet were dry at the end, but the snow was deep and I wasn't expecting them to keep my feet dry. Mm-hmm. And that was the run where my ankles were exposed. Yeah. So that was my bigger problem anyway. Um, but for like, just to run, you know, around the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, I like those a lot because they, they do, I feel like that's a, like a, just an, another per- layer of protection between me and the wet. Mm-hmm. And as you know, like getting wet is, you know, kind of the kiss of death. That's why, you know, taking off a wet sports bra when you get back right away, mm-hmm. you know, warms you up about 10 degrees instantly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I really like those. And then I have a pair of um, pants that I got, gosh, when did I get them? I got them for Christmas a couple of years ago. Mm. Again, uh, careful podcast listeners will will know that I often give a list over to Grant, and I, I put <laughs> these on the list. Um, but they have windstopper. They're, oh, they're running yeah. tights that have windstopper in the thighs mm-hmm. and the shins and the knees um, are articulated. So, um, oh, so nice. like I wore those on my 10-miler on Sunday um, when it was – I mean, I think I started and it was – maybe 18. And then by the end, it was closer to 14. I mean, I definitely, and, and, um, I ran in Cherry Creek state park, which is a great place to run. Um, it's a great place to run in the winter time and in the summertime, it's really, uh, exposed. There aren't a lot of trees there, mm-hmm. uh, but that means like when the wind blows, it really blows mm-hmm. and it was blowing on Sunday. It was a tough run. So now, I'm curious, you've mentioned that happening a few times that the temperature was higher when you started than when you finished. How does that happen? Well, you know, Colorado is a little bit schizophrenic with the weather. You know, I mean, it was, you know, the, the Sunday, it was like a high of 20 and tomorrow it's supposed to be 60. So that, that's one way reason. I can't, not quite sure with, you know, what temperature we want to stay at. But I also started at about two and ended, you know, oh, around four. So there you go. So I was, it was coming into evening time. Gotcha. So yeah, because you had mentioned that another time and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You know, when if I start around at 8 a.m. and finish at 10, it gets warmer. So, um, well, most of the time it does, but it definitely, I, yeah, but, but this was an afternoon run. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So we got a question from Michelle, um, and she wants the best advice to give to a new runner who has started training outdoors in frigid temperatures and she's running a 10 K in March and needs inspiration. And so keeping with the gear clothing, uh, theme, the first tip that I'd give her is dress like it's 10 degrees warmer than it really is. And um, so we had a uh, we had um, snowpocalypse here in in Portland and uh, in, here in Snowlandia. Was that the Atlanta one too, or what was what was? I think that was snowpocalypse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you were like Snowlandia. Uh, Snowlandia. Yeah, our hashtag is Snowlandia. But we had a snowpocalypse. I was speaking lowercase s in that in that case, not an uppercase s. Um, yeah, get your geography <laughs> and your snowstorms right, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also liked. Um, Snow MG, so it looked like you know OMG. Um, oh, snow! My God, very yeah, clever. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so Molly and I started running before that hit, but it was quite cold. I think it was maybe. Mm, I, my my philosophy is also this is another tip, Michelle. Don't look at the temperature before you go out because. I don't know. You know, if I know it's 18, it's going to feel colder than if I just have stuck my hand out the door and I'm then get dressed deciding on, you know, depending on how it feels against my skin. But anyway, so Molly and I started running and I was really envious of her for that first mile because she was wearing, you know, two coats and a long sleeve shirt and a, a wool hat and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, lucky Molly, lucky Molly. But then by the second mile, I, she was just peeling it all off, tying coats around her waist. And I'm like, woohoo, I'm feeling good. 
So um, again, that tip would be to dress like it's 10 degrees warmer than it really is because you just, I think going from your warm house to outside, you know, starting your run, you think, oh, it's so cold. And, and it's easy to forget how quickly and how hot you will get. Well, and there's the, that's funny that you say that. There's one tip that I read from our friend Tish at Runner's World that I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. And she said that it's easier to go from warm to cold than cold to cold. Mm-hmm. So it is your body because it's warmer. It's easier to like mentally make the switch from, okay, I'm getting out of bed. I mean, this is not easy. I guess <laughs> I should preface it, but, but it's easier. Like you're warm, you bundle up, you know, to a degree, and then you head out and you're still kind of warm. Whereas mm-hmm. if you like, if you've been driving in the car for like half an hour or you've been shoveling. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. Bark boxes include all natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first bark box. Dimity let Barkbox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all important chewing preferences. And now on the fifteenth of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com. Dot com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR snow uh-huh. or doing something outside and then you're like okay now i'm gonna go run uh-huh. like i feel like your core temperature is a little bit uh-huh. you know a little bit cooler and it just is like harder to rally and that that's totally you know this is from one mother runner to another mother runner, so it's not scientific at all but i but i kind of felt that you know because uh-huh. when you when, when you get that kind of chill in your bones and you can't really warm up uh-huh. the last thing you want to do is go run you know see that's so. interesting though before the kids went sledding they were so excited their friend was coming over their friend miles was coming over and they were all going sledding and so the kids you know got fully dressed in their sledding outfits you know an hour and a half before miles was gonna show up i'm like don't get overheated in the house because you're going to your body will get used to being dressed like this in this you know i don't know 65 degree house and then you're going to go outside where it's 20 and you're going to be so cold so um, I don't know. Yeah, it's all like, you know, grandma's term or whatever. <laughs> what is it? Old wives tales about temperature, thermal regulation. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, right. but that's, that's very true when they're excited and they get all bundled up and then you're like, 
okay, but you've got to wait 20 minutes. It's a long time to wait. You know, oh, they, they get all oh, where's Miles? Where are Miles? And, where's Miles? Where? I'm like, I don't yeah. know where Miles is. <laughs> I know. He was here. Yes. Um, so um, another thing that um, when Molly and I, we run toward each other, I run west and she runs east and we meet on this um, the street that we both our houses kind of um, are on. And when I was running toward her, I'm thinking, wow, it's totally not as cold as I thought it was going to be today. And then we decided to go the, back the way I came. And Molly, when we met up, was like, oh, it is so cold. Well, we turn around and suddenly the wind is in my face. I'm like, oh, now I see what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, um, so, you know, put yourself in the, if you can, um, you know, start by running into the wind. Because then once you get sweaty, you know, you'll be appreciating that it's not blowing at you and chilling you down. So yeah, you know, get so the, the hard part over first. Get yeah, the hard part yeah. over first. Yeah. Um, another thing, going back to gear, um, is just I think it's so important. To, you mentioned a hat. A hat is so key. A warm. I like. A, I like a fleece hat. Mm-hmm. Um, mittens, obviously, or gloves, whatever you like, and then warm socks, like mm-hmm. wool socks. Yep. Um, you know, I, we love icebreaker socks, and it's just you know the, keeping like. The, the parts that are farthest away from your body, keeping them as warm as possible, mm-hmm. keeps the rest of your body warm. Yeah. Yeah. I wore um, a pair of icebreaker wool socks when Molly and I ran nine miles on Saturday in the snowstorm. And my feet were just so happy. And I just have the crummiest circulation. So I was like, wow, this is a miracle. My feet are warm. So, <laughs> nice. um, so and then another thing is um, sort of going back. To what um, Melissa, the one who started out these questions, is, you know, if, if your schedule allows, kind of switch up the time that you run. So if, you know, if, if you have some um, latitude in your schedule, you know, run after school drop off instead of before your kids go to school, run on your lunch hour, you know, just try to fit it in in, in pockets that maybe you don't usually do. And then realize that, you know, your, your race is, it's in March, your 10K is in March, Michelle. And so that's, you know probably a a month away or maybe a little more, a little less. And so every run that you do in the cold is just going to make you stronger and more badass when Mm -hmm. you hit that starting line. So, Mm -hmm. so kind of realize that, um, just like kind of the treadmill kind of builds mental toughness. I feel like also running in the cold builds some mental toughness that, um, unexpected, but helpful. Mm -hmm. Comes in handy on race day. Yep. Yep. So let's leave these cold temps behind us and move on to other topics. So Karen asks, um, how easy should a run be? Or I'm sorry, maybe you should run this. Um, How easy should an easy run be? I struggle with slowing down or really knowing what an easy pace should feel like. And um, I feel like I'm not the person to answer this, but I know <laughs> I know the answer. It's like that that sports and fitness writer who doesn't stretch or do any strength training, you know, or the you know overweight doctor who doesn't take their own advice. Yeah. Um, but an easy pace should be very easy, and meaning that like you can talk, you know, um, and if you're by yourself, you know, see if you can say the Pledge of Allegiance or see if you can <laughs> um, sing along to a song. And it doesn't mean you know that you know, you're talking exactly like we are right now, because sometimes I feel like that's too much effort, but you should be at a place where, um, where you can't, where if you needed to like tell a story, you could. Mm -hmm. And if that means slowing your pace to what feels like glacial, Mm -hmm. then do it because that's easy, right? That's the whole point of an easy run. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's, so that's the thing that they kind of also understanding 
why you do easy runs and that it's, you know, if you're particularly if you're training to hit a certain time, you know, knock a couple minutes off a off your half marathon time or, you know, run a super fast 5K or something like that, that, that you're going to have easy runs and you're going to have hard runs. And so that if you go too hard, if you put in too much effort on your easy days, then when it comes time to go to the track or do that tempo run, your body's going to be already kind of taxed and a little drained from that last, quote, easy workout. And so you can't put your A effort into those demanding workouts. And thus, you know, you're not going to be able to work as hard and you're not going to get as many fitness benefits from it. So I remember um, when Lynn Jennings, the um, bronze medal Olympian in the 10,000 meters in 1992, when she was coaching me for um, the marathon that I ended up saying my PR in, she would say to me, I am never going to be impressed if you come back from an easy workout and tell me that you did more than I asked you to do. And so, you know, if, if she said, go out and run 10 miles at you know, your long run pace. And I, if I were to come back and say, oh, you know, I actually dropped it down and did the last five miles at tempo. She's like, Mm-mm, nope, not going to be impressed with that because that's not what I asked you to do. And that wasn't today's workout. Um, kind of an extreme example, but. Um. Yeah, well, and you, you talked about this, but I mean, that that um, brought back a flashback to a triathlon camp I went to. And a lot of us like to live in like what they call the gray zone, mm-hmm. where it's like a workout where like, you feel pretty accomplished. Um, you kind of sweated up. You made your, you felt your muscles. They were kind of burning, mm-hmm. but you didn't push yourself all the way up to, you know, like really true intense speed work. Mm-hmm. And you didn't come down to this zone where you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I'm just getting in a really nice wide cardiovascular base. I mean, that's your good aerobic base. I mean, they have every workout has a point. And those gray zone workouts, which I love, I mean, I will not <laughs> lie. I love a good gray zone, you know, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it doesn't build your growth. It doesn't because you haven't increased your tolerance and your ability to, to process lactic acid mm-hmm. because you haven't pushed yourself to that point. You haven't created, a, you know, gobs of lactic acid. Mm-hmm. And you also, like you said, you kind of burned yourself out a little bit so that you, you're you not fully rested the way that easy workouts can make you rested and just, like I said, make that wide, wide aerobic base. So it's either like, you know, just if you think about aerobic is like the base and anaerobic is like the the tip of the pyramid Mm -hmm. and like you're kind of in this like gray zone between aerobic and anaerobic and at the end of the day you may feel good after a workout but if you really do want to improve times and Mm -hmm. performances and overall like increase your endurance so that you can run a nine minute mile and make it feel like a 10 minute mile does right now Mm -hmm. then you really gotta gotta you know spend some time below and above the gray zone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so um and just to get finite and specific, you know, about um, that a, an easy run should be in the 60 to 70% of max range. And and I looked that one up, so I know I am speaking with authority here. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's all about not going too hard on easy days and just giving yourself permission to do that easy run because that's what the plan calls for and there's value to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I was going through and, and culling the questions from the ones that people put up on our Facebook page, I really was intrigued by this question, so that's why I added it. Um, and so uh, it comes from Kimberly, and she says, I w- I'm curious how other mother runners balance uh, racing and family planning. She says her brood may or may not grow this year, God willing, and it's hard, A, to not sign up for all the races, and B, to explain to people why she's not, why I'm not seeking a marathon redemption. And um, I just think, you know, that that's... Um, I think there's a lot of things going on in that question. And like, um, 
from a you know not signing up for the races i with you know everybody getting into racing and running it's it's tough now to find some races especially half marathons and marathons and that haven't sold out and so there's this feeling of like oh my gosh i you know i don't care that it's in october and it's only february i got to sign up for it now it's like well a lot can change between now and you know october or now and even may or something like that you know if you're of childbearing years if if you and i can remember that dimity um. <laughs> hey i still am of childbearing years yeah. we want to you know yeah. go to tmi on that um, yeah but yeah yeah it's hard because yeah you want you want this thing but you also if you don't get this thing this pregnancy then gosh what am i going to do with my time and i really want to sign up for um for races so that i have something to work for and you know maybe to distract you too depending upon how difficult it is to get pregnant mm-hmm. it's a it's a hard line to walk but um first of all um i hope that you don't have to explain to people why you're not seeking marathon redemption kimberly i mean that's that's you know just say <laughs> because it's too freaking far i mean you know i i i um i mean i we have a lot of women that we come up to or, you know, we talk to at expos and stuff and they're like, I never want to run a marathon. And I totally understand that. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so the marathon redemption thing, I mean, that's, you know, people are, it's the same thing with Ironman. Like people are like, Oh, so you're going to do another Ironman? Like, well, no, I did one. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to do, you know? And I don't know what her happened in her marathon and if she feels like she needs redemption, but I, I never feel like you have to justify a certain race distance or your race plan to anybody. Just say, you know, I'm just not into it this year. Or I've got other plans. I don't yeah, know. And, just... and I also, th- I also think though, it sort of depends on the crowd you hang in. And sometimes I feel like living here in Portland, where so many people run, there's always this like, oh, you know, hey, I just did, you know, Vancouver Marathon or whatever it is. It's like, great. What do you have next? It's like, no, did you hear me? I just did one. Like, can we focus <laughs> on that for a little bit and, and don't have to have something always coming up? So, you know, I think being able to be like, Oh yeah, I'm just seeing how things go, or I'm just you know, riding the life buzz, you know, <laughs> and and not it just it can be an awkward question, I think, depending on who you're hanging out with. So yeah, yeah, and I just think, I mean, it's not, you just have to you know, kind of send it back your way, you know, like so what's on your race calendar? Or I'm just yeah, like you said, like I've got a lot of things going on right now. I'm just kind of seeing how it shakes out, and what's mm-hmm. on your race calendar? Yeah. Um, and then I guess from a from a personal standpoint, though, I mean, what would you do, Sarah, if you wanted to, you know, get pregnant, but still had some races that you were kind of eyeing? I mean, what yeah. strategy would you take? Well, I mean, I think, you know, and I went through that. I mean, I had a uh, secondary infertility. Uh, that's how we ended up with our twins and uh, by doing IVF ultimately. So it did kind of put me in baby limbo for a while. And I'm just trying to think that. I guess I didn't sign up for many races, but I also, I think the key might be to kind of maybe look for some smaller races, which would hopefully not fill up real fast. And so that you could kind of wait up until, you know, you could be training for it, but then let's say, oh, you know, look, oh, got my period. And now, you know, the race is two weeks away. Great. Okay. Well, I'm going to sign up for it now. You know, hopefully it wouldn't be sold out. And also then, um, you know, smaller races oftentimes don't have huge price tags so that if you have signed up for it in advance and then, oh, look, you know, um, you know, you got blessed with getting pregnant, then then you're only out 60 bucks instead of out like $120. So, you know, of course, the thrifty side in me comes up with that question. <laughs> it's not it's not the cheap it's the thrifty, yeah. <laughs> it's the thrifty. Um, yeah, yeah that's probably what I would do I mean I would maybe put a couple races on the calendar just you know to kind of 
see what your year would look like if you mm-hmm. don't, if you just, you know, if that, what is it? Do you want the line to come up or not on the pregnancy test? Uh, the, like, pr- when you, the line comes up, it says you're pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if the line doesn't come up, mm-hmm. then, you know, then you've got kind of a plan B in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess yeah. I would probably do that. Yeah. And then also, I mean, we, we have met, uh, you know, we go travel around this great country of ours and we meet a lot of women who race while they are pregnant. And so, you know, or run race, I should say run, they run races while they're pregnant. They don't necessarily race those races. So, you know, if, um, you know, Kimberly, if you do get pregnant and you're feeling good and you get your doctor's approval, you know, you could, you could consider doing a race that you've signed up for, but just not, you know, redlining it during it. And, um, you know, that really hit home with me. We were at the Ogden Marathon and we met um, so many great women who just had, you know, they had their spouse there with them and then like six or seven kids with them. And, you know, they'd tell us, oh, yeah, I've run this race pregnant a number of times. And I was like, what? You, you've run a marathon? And then I looked at their family. I'm like, well, of course you have. Because if, you know, if you have a big family and, you know, and you've given birth to those children, if you don't run races, a, an occasional race while you're pregnant, you're taking yourself out of like prime racing season for 10 or 15 years. So I'm like, sure. Mm-hmm, okay, gotcha. That that makes perfect sense. And so, um yeah, you know, it, it can be done. And uh, we see a lot of people, you know, we saw some women at Tinkerbell uh, Expo who were pregnant, who were doing the race. So oh my gosh, remember the woman who was, yeah. was she eight months pregnant? Yeah, and she was pregnant with her fourth boy. And yes, um, she was, I, so she I got, mean, I, I she got swept. Rarely, yeah, she did. Well, so that's what I was going to say. She, I very rarely worry for people. I mean, I, I feel like people obviously are adults and they can trust themselves, but she left our table and I was like, wow, I really admire her moxie, but mm-hmm. she was, you know, she was a short lady. So that, so, so she obviously had a big belly cause she doesn't have a lot of place to put it. And then I was just like, that just felt like, it just kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your, your, li- your ligaments were kind of hard ligaments. Yeah, Ooh, like ah. we're feeling very sympathetic <laughs> yeah. to her going 13.1 miles. So yeah, so she didn't quite make it. Um, but like I said, I admire her for trying and, and you can always, you know, that's also another thing is, you know, you can sign up for a half marathon and decide I'm going to, you know, go for six and a half miles and then call it good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or so. drop down to the 10 K or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and walk the whole thing. So, um, and still enjoy the race atmosphere. So should we move on to, um, a final question from, uh, Norma Ann? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so she is knowing, how do you know when you are ready or able to run back-to-back days as a novice master runner? So she's a novice master runner, meaning she's probably over 40, mm-hmm. um, but just beginning. And she wants to know when to run back-to-back days. Yeah. Should I say that one more one more way? <laughs> Norma was wondering, can she run? So I'm guessing Norma is like 42. She just started to run when she was 41. Can she run Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in a row? <laughs> Oh, wonderful synonyms. Um, I I think it's an interesting question whether uh, a runner is over 40 or not. I think that when when are you ready to step up and say, okay, I'm not just going to run or not. I don't want to say just uh, I'm going to run Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, not just Monday, Wednesday, you know. So um, I think some things to look for are when you have no post-workout soreness or very little post-workout soreness um, after a run so that the, you know, Tuesday dawns and you don't feel beat up from your Monday run. I think then is that's when you could start running on Tuesdays. Let's keep going with that example. Um, you know, you're not feeling fatigued in other parts of your life because I think it's not just being able to run numerous days of the week. It's not just about, oh, do my legs feel good? It's like, oh, well, come come the weekend, am I, you know, just dying to lay down on the couch for five hours? It's like, oh, no, you know, I still got a spring in my step. Okay, let's 
let's, you know, think about stepping up the number of runs you're doing a week. Well, and also um, maybe not even feeling fatigued in other parts of your life, but also the stress level. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, because that's, I mean, I think the example we often look to are like pro athletes, you know, Mm -hmm. that train all the time. They run Monday through Saturday. Should I spell that out? They run on Monday, (laughs) Tuesday, Wednesday. No, Um, but, um, but they, uh, but but the stress of our lives, you know, you and me, the, mm-hmm. the unpro athletes and anyone who's listening to this, mm-hmm. like that is the same kind of that that adds to the athletic stress that you already put on your body. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're running around and you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to get to the grocery store and then I've got to get my kid and then I've got to get her to piano lessons and then I've got to, mm-hmm. you know, clean up the house because the in-laws are coming over like that takes its toll. Even mm-hmm. I mean, it, yes, of course, it's motion and you're burning calories and moving your body, but it also takes a a physical toll on your body. And mm-hmm. so sometimes like you have to take that into account when you want to, you know, step up athletically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also and, think, I also think it's ahead. important to feel excited to run um, yeah. the day that, so that you want to bring a certain freshness of your muscles and of your mind when you approach a run and that you don't want to wake up again. I'll say on Tuesday, you don't want to be like, Oh, I have to run again today. You know, you want to be like, Oh, okay, you know, great. You know, I get to um, head out with, you know, my friend today to go for a run or I get to, you know, go three miles today. I'm really excited to do that or even just mildly excited. But (laughs) (laughs) I was going to temper that comment. uh, Remember who's saying it, you know. know, That's the funny thing. It's like I'm, uh, you know, I'm putting together this structure kind of for our third book and I'm trying to think of like big kind of overarching concepts that Mm -hmm. will kind of be different, um, segments of the book Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay so I've got like you know perseverance I've got you know perspective I've got resilience and I'm like okay this all sounds it sounds like you know I'm I don't, I don't know. It sounds like a very serious, like young adult novel or something like that. I'm like, joy, we need joy. And I'm like, I don't know that I can write about joy. In You're like, I got Sarah. She can write about that. Well, exactly. I thought of you. I thought of a couple other writers as well, but, um, but it's funny because I just, I think it's a little bit in your perspective and yes. Yeah, so, I mean, so being excited to run might be the wrong word, but being like, um, interested, you know, and not dreading it. I mean, yeah, I, I was gonna say looking forward to it, at least a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not so. dreading. It's the same thing. <laughs> Same thing, different ways, you know. Right. right. And um, but I mean, um, Norma Ann, when you do or anyone else is considering this, you know, when you do start running one day after another, when you do start doing that Tuesday run in addition to that Monday run, you know, be sure to increase your mileage gradually. So, you know, don't let your um um lack of uh lack of uh what was your word for i can't optimism i'm gonna enthusiasm don't let your enthusiasm get the better of you and say you know run five miles a day after you ran six you know so you need to make that new new to your week run make that a shorter one make it easier um and you know really step up your recovery between those runs so whether that's um you know foam rolling gentle stretching um, you know, doing a little bit of yoga, maybe treating yourself to a massage and uh, paying a little closer attention to how, what you eat you're afterwards. You're going to want a massage on Tuesday and Thursday <laughs> and Saturday. Right. No, no, but I think you're right. You're right. And you, I mean, you know, a couple rules of thumb that, that a lot of people already know, but we should just throw out there. I mean, you know, never do hard workouts back to back. So mm-hmm. if you are running six miles, you know, and that's your longest run, then the next day is, is literally two, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not four and it's not six again. It's like two to three at a very easy pace. Mm-hmm. You know, long runs are challenging on your body. So the longest run of the week is challenging on your body. A speed work is challenging on your body. 
tempos or hills. intervals where you're mm -hmm. trying to hills are anything where you're like beyond that easy pace that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so, so those don't go back to back, especially if you are a master runner, because that's one complaint that we hear a lot is um, recovery just takes longer. And yeah. so those tough workouts kind of drain you a little bit more than when you were a spring chicken. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and yeah. then the other thing I would say is, um, because I, I, <laughs> okay, so that's you, joy, joy, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Excited optimism. Um, and I, I think for me, uh, running back to back days, I mean, that is that, first of all, I'm, I'm not super interested in doing that, mm -hmm. but I also think that I've become a better runner because I don't run back to back days mm -hmm. because, um, I've avoided injury for a long time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that, was wood. Mm -hmm. that was me. Not uh -huh. wood. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I, then I do look forward to running because mm -hmm. um, I am the kind of person who a three day a week running schedule is perfectly lovely to me. So, um, so I guess, I don't know where the pressure is coming from Norman. If you're interested in doing that, great. But if you feel like that's something you quote unquote have to do to be a real runner, then I think, um, I think you can say three, three to four days a week and some really, intense, um, or not intense, but you know, Quality. strong cross training mm -hmm. and strength training will actually benefit your running more than more miles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've definitely found that to be the case. I now take, um, a bar style class twice a week and which, PA. Yeah, PA. <laughs> which means that I had to cut out a, at least one day of running a week and I am a stronger runner because of it. So there you go. So. And do you miss it? Do you miss it? I do. <laughs> <laughs> right there. That in a nutshell is the difference between you and me right there. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So well, on that note, to uh, to uh, visit us on Facebook, we are at Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com. Our Twitter handle and on Instagram, we and I, I got to say, I posted a very funny picture on Instagram this morning of um, a new sport that I've made up for the Olympics, um, slope style running. Anyway, Ooh, aren't you clever? <laughs> yes, we went by Molly and I went by a skate park. So anyway, but uh, we are the mother runner on both Twitter and Instagram. Our books are Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother. They're available on Amazon as well as on our own site. And um, whether it's on back to back days or just three days a week, many happy or miles. Or gas fuel days. <laughs> yes, yes. Butternut squash days. <laughs> Men... Cruciferous. Cruciferous, was that the word? Cru I've been saying cruciferous. Who knows if that's the way to say I it? Think, I think it's cruciferous. Oh. So remember we got the email from someone saying that I needed to trust my pronunciation more? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with cruciferous. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, many happy miles to you. <laughs> Cruciferous.